0: Hey, by now, you have probably decorated your tree, or right? You've at least thought about decorating a tree. At my house, we've, we've decorated a tree. Uh, let me ask you a question. When you decorate your tree, do you put any cracked ornaments on it? Any broken ornaments? Of course not. Nobody puts cracked ornaments. Some people, some people say they do. <laughs> uh, uh, most people don't put cracked ornaments or broken ornaments on the tree. We want the best ornaments. We want it to look the best That it can. So we don't put in cracked or broken ornaments. Well, during this Advent season, we've been looking at the family tree of Jesus. We've been looking at some of the ornaments hanging on his family tree. And we've been looking at these, these, these ornaments, these cracked ornaments, under the heading flaws in the Christmas story. Last week, we looked at the story of Tamar and her relationship with Judah. Today, we want to focus on. Rahab and her part in the family tree. Now, if you had Rahab in your family tree, it's probably not something you want to brag about. After all, she was a prostitute. Uh, We can't run from that fact in Scripture. She was a prostitute. So open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2. We're going to look at this passage under the heading A Flawed Reputation. A Flawed Reputation. Reputation. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of summarize the story for you And then highlight a few verses and give you about three principles that we gain from this story That will help us in this life in which we live in this Christmas season See you may remember uh, from the story that Rahab was a Canaanite who lived in the city of Jericho She was also a prostitute by trade Joshua had taken the army of Israel from the, side, from the east side of the Jordan, and they were about to invade into the promised land. And their first task was to overthrow the city of Jericho. But before Joshua began the invasion of, Jer- uh, of Jericho and conquering Jericho, he decided to send some spies to check out This fortress of Jericho. And so the spies made their way into Jericho, and they chose to stay at the house of Rahab, the prostitute. In the back of their mind, they're thinking she's a prostitute. No one would be suspicious of visitors coming into the house of a prostitute. But then some individuals begin to recognize, wait a minute. These two guys are not regular customers of Rahab We're going to investigate them. So they told the king of Jericho about this. So the king of Jericho sends an army to arrest or to investigate these two men. And when they arrive, uh, Rahab says, well, they've already gone. I didn't know they were spies. They've already gone. And she goes, but if you leave now, you might be able to catch them. And they headed off in the direction that Rahab pointed that they left. And the whole time they were hiding on the roof of Rahab's house. And after, the, spy, after the, the army had left, Rahab lowered them down from a window in her house that was along the wall, that was on the wall. And you need to remember that for the rest of the story. The window was in the wall of the city of Jericho. Why did Rahab hide enemy spies? Why did she do that? Now, the writers of Hebrews in the book of James tell us that, that Rahab did that because she had faith in God. Well, wait a minute. I thought she was a prostitute. But yet, she has faith in God, but she's a prostitute. The point is, by the time the spies had made their way to the city of Jericho and stayed with the prostitute Rahab, she had become converted. She had become a, a believer in God, Look at verses 10 and 11 of Joshua chapter 2. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two gods of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Rahab says, we, the people of Jericho, we heard about what God has been doing in your midst. We heard about how God dried up the Red Sea before you and drowned the entire Egyptian army. When did that happen? Forty-two years prior to this event. And so She also says, we've heard how, how you destroyed the, God, the, the kings of Sihon and Og, you destroyed those kings... And how God delivered you from them. When did that happen? 41 years prior to this story. The people of Jericho heard that. They heard about God's, uh, about Israelites' victory at the Red Sea. They'd heard about uh, the victory over the, the kings of Sihon and Og. He heard about that. Rahab heard about that. But only Rahab believed. That leads us to principle number one. Just because others do not believe does not mean you can't believe. Just because others do not believe does not mean that you can't believe. If, if that is what God had done to a superpower such as Egypt, how could Jericho stand in, the, in front of the people of Israel? Rahab chose to believe even when others did not believe, and don't think that she was choosing to believe because she uh, was covering her bases. Uh, she just, you know, she wasn't believing just so that she could be on the side of a winner. She had genuine faith in what God could do. Now it's interesting to note when you think about this story that the the people of Jericho, Rahab, they actually believed that God would accomplish what He said. Before, even before Israel was punished for their failure to not believe. Remember that? Israel did not believe that God was going to give them the victory in the promised land, so they were led to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Why? Because they did not believe God was going to fulfill his promises. But the pagans believed it. The pagans had saw what God had done, and they believed that God was going to give them the victory. That they were in fear of this. As a matter of fact, verse 11 says in this passage that, that everyone's courage failed because of you. They were already cowering. They were already weak in the knees. Yet fear stopped the Israelites from experiencing the blessings of God because they did not believe what God said he would do. Fear got in the way of their faith. And how many times does that same fear stop us from stepping out on faith? I read an interesting story this this week about the African Impala. The African Impala can jump eight feet high, and it can jump a distance of 32 feet. However, you can keep it trapped in a zoo with a fence of three feet high. Why is that? Because the African Impala will not jump unless it knows where it's going to land. It won't do it. And so you can keep it enclosed in a zoo with a three-foot-high fence, even though it can jump eight feet high and 32 foot long. Fear stops it from experiencing freedom. How many of us allow ourselves to be trapped by fear and we fail to trust what God has for us on the other side of the wall? How many of us are gripped by fear maybe it's fear because we can't let go of the past maybe you're like me you're always looking back you're you're always wishing your life was different that your situations were different you're always thinking of what what would have been what could have been what might have been if you had made a different choice and so because of that, you fail to move forward into the future because you're gripped with fear because of your past, and your fear cripples you. Or maybe uh, you you have fear because of your character. Uh, you want to be in control. Uh, you don't like taking risk. Uh You like to be self-reliant and, and self-sufficient. And, and you don't want to get hurt. Uh, you don't, you know. Uh, you, you're, you get frustrated and you get angry when, when things don't go as, as, as you planned. So you never do anything. Or maybe, you know, your, your, your fear because you don't want to get hurt. You've trusted people in the past and all they did was hurt you. Maybe it was a relationship that you had and then you got your heart ripped out. Maybe you went into a business venture with an individual and they wound up betraying you. You trusted people. You gave them your heart. Your life goal was ended. And so you don't want to get hurt and your fear cripples you. Listen, fear stops us from reaching our full potential in the hands of God. That's what fear does. It stops us. But that wasn't so for Rahab. Uh, Consider the life of Rahab. Look at her. When others saw obstacles, she saw opportunity. When when other people were were hesitant, she was bold. When other people worried, she trusted. That's what she did. She did not care if that she was a Canaanite. She did not care that, that, that she was a Canaanite who was the dreaded enemy of the people of Israel. She didn't care that she was a prostitute. She didn't care that she had a flawed reputation. She didn't care that she was going against her culture by by choosing God over the Canaanite gods. She didn't care whatsoever. She chose to make a decision to follow God. God And she made a wise choice. Joshua chapter 6 verse 25 says this. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men of Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Rahab understood that it was better to live under the banner of God than under the culture of of her people. She knew it was better to follow God it was, than, than turning into spies. Uh, she knew that was better. She knew it was better to, to rely upon God than to rely upon the defenses of Jericho. And because of her decision, she saved herself and her entire family. Instead of allowing herself to become stuck in the past and allowed herself to be stuck in her her, her Canaanite culture and stuck in her mistakes, she chose a different path. She chose not to let her flawed reputation keep her from coming to God, and she took a step of faith. And she believed in God instead of other things. She made that decision. And the way that Rahab came to faith is our second principle. No witness is a wasted witness. No witness is a wasted witness. I'm having struggles with my glasses today for some reason. Either my eyes have gotten bad just this minute I've been up here or uh, something's happened here. I don't know what's going on. Um, No witness is a wasted witness. Listen, Rahab came to faith not because Joshua sent 1,000 priests ...into the city of Jericho and had an evangelistic rally. Uh, it didn't come of that. It, it wasn't uh, because of, of, of some movement of individuals that shared this with her. We get the impression that she heard about this through messengers... ...who came to her that probably were unbelievers in th- themselves... Maybe it was neighbors who heard about this. Maybe it was customers that came to her and told the story that was happening. The thing is that God worked through that message to create faith in her heart. That that should be an encouragement to us. It's encouraging to know that, that God can create faith in such a way. It ought to take away our sorry excuses. It ought to take away those excuses that we have. Listen, God can create faith to that sermon that you forward to a friend through Facebook. And I know most of you probably don't use Facebook, but some of you will. That sermon that you forward through Facebook to a friend or to multiple friends. God can create faith in an individual by that Bible passage you write on that Christmas card. Or a birthday card or a greeting that you send to someone else. For the younger generation, uh, God could, could create faith by that tweet that you send out to someone else. Or through a message that you put on Facebook or, or Snapchat or all those other things that go on out there. Through a blog that you write. God could create faith in that. It tells us that little witnessing opportunities are worth the effort. Just those little things that we we do, God can create faith through those things. And it also should eliminate this idea that there are certain people we should not bother with. Probably none of us would probably ever witness to a prostitute. We probably don't know any. If, we, if you do, well, let's talk. But we would think that she wouldn't deserve it. We shouldn't talk to that type of person. But listen, listen to me. Every sinner, every sinner who hears God's word is a good candidate to become a believer. Every sinner. God can do anything. Even a person with a flawed reputation, even a sinner such as me, can be saved. No witness is a wasted witness. Let me give you one more truth. Faith reveals itself by what it does. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Faith reveals itself by what it does. Hebrews chapter 11, this, is, uh, this section of Scripture focuses on, the, uh, on, on those people that walk by faith in the Old Testament. I only want to focus on the section, uh, the history of Israel from the time that they left Egypt to the time they entered the Promised Land. That's only 42 years of history, okay? This is in verses 29 through 31. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea As on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Forty two years of history. Who gets mentioned? Not Joshua, not Caleb. Rahab. Rahab stands out. And again, just in case you didn't know the story, she's called the prostitute. The prostitute Rahab. Think about that. Of all the people that could have been mentioned during that 42 years, Rahab gets mentioned in the hall of faith with people like Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and David. And there's Rahab. Rahab. The prostitute. That puts her in an important line of people. Her faith put her in this hall of fame. Is that why she's noticed? Is that why it's brought out? It's not because of her faith. It's because of her motives behind that. Look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 9. Turn back over to Joshua. Chapter 2, verse 9. She says this, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Rahab says, I have seen the bigger picture. I have seen things that others haven't seen. The Lord has decided To give this land to you. And there's nothing we can do about it. There's not anything that we can do. So she wants to be on the side that wins. And the motive for her doing this is the motive of faith. She has greater certainty than Joshua. She has greater certainty than the spies. She has greater certainty than all of Israel that God is going to fulfill his promises to the people of Israel. She goes, we know. I know this is going to happen. She had faith. That's what led her to act on her faith. This woman with a flawed reputation had a strong faith in what God could do. And her faith is alive and her faith is active. Listen, faith does not hide behind walls. Faith does not hide behind a a service on on Sunday mornings. Faith moved her to put her life on the line. She took a chance. And our experience of, of, of faith may not be as bold as Rahab's. But every step of faith we take, from from the way we do our schoolwork, from the way we do our our, our business, to to the way we, we, we conduct our lives and the community around us, all of those are actions of faith. The sad truth is, we don't always live out our faith, do we? We don't. It's so much easier to serve ourselves than to serve others. It's so much easier to complain about a ministry not being done than to start a ministry. It's so easy to be a critic than to be somebody that builds up. We every time we fail to show love to another person, it's a sin. And and since we sin daily, we we can only be sure of God's salvation by trusting his promise of salvation. And that's what Rahab did. She recognized, man, I'm I'm a flawed individual. But she placed her hands in God and trusted him to do that. So because before the spies left, what she do? She exacted a promise from them. She got a promise from the spies. And the spies said, When we leave, if you'll hang a scarlet rope from your window that's on the wall, if you'll hang a scarlet rope, then when we come, everybody in that house will be spared because of the scarlet rope. We will see it, and we will spare all those in there. When you think about it, a scarlet rope doesn't offer a lot of protection. Uh, When you really stop and think about it in that way, when you consider how God brought about the destruction of Jericho, Joshua is very clear that, that her house was located on the wall or in the wall. And we know that uh, when the soldier, when the soldiers marked around you know, and that, on that seventh day, the walls came tumbling down. You know the old song, the walls fell down. Uh, don't you think at that moment that maybe uh said, you know, maybe we shouldn't be so close to the wall. Yeah. Maybe she thought, maybe we ought to go over to our neighbor's house across the street. Because, you know, they're not on the wall. We're on the wall. But she didn't do that. She hung on to that, 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 that scarlet thread, that, that scarlet robe was a promise that nothing would happen to her. Maybe she was tempted to seek shelter elsewhere. Maybe she wondered if the spies had lied to her. She may have been tempted to stray, but she trusted that the scarlet rope marked her out for salvation. It was a sign that marked her out for salvation. Who would have thought God would use a person with a flawed reputation to give victory to the people of of Israel over Jericho? Who would have thought this flawed woman of faith would find a prominent place In Jesus' family tree. After the destruction of Jericho, Rahab turned her life around. It says that she became a part of the people of Israel, and she married a good Israelite. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says this. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. We've heard that name before. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was. Rahab. Wait a minute. We've heard this name Boaz before, haven't we? It says that Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Rahab and her husband, Salmon, were the great-grandparents of King David. Wow. A prostitute in the family tree. Of King David. Listen, although we too are flawed and we don't deserve a place on Jesus' family tree, God hangs us there anyway. He puts us on His family tree. Through faith in Jesus Christ, He washed clean all of our sins and He adopted us into His family. Listen, he does not care about your flawed reputation. He doesn't care about your flawed situation. He doesn't care about about who you are. He cares about who you can become. That's what he cares about. And he has a great plan for your life, he has a great purpose for your life that you may not even know at the time of faith. But if you'll be diligent and you'll be faithful And you'll keep trusting God will reveal it sometime Sometime Just as Rahab trusted in what God could do We too need to trust what God can do Through a child in a manger He can save us from our past And give us a secure future He can do that Now listen, here's the thing God hangs us on his family tree, but he didn't want us just hanging around. He wants us to put our faith into action. As I've said before, we are saved for service. There was a reason that Rahab was saved, so that she could serve. So, like Rahab... Look for opportunities to put your faith in action. Like Rahab, look for opportunities that you can prove what you say you believe. Like Rahab, look for opportunities that you can be a blessing to others. Like Rahab, look for opportunities that you can say, I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am a part of his family tree. What decision you need to make today? Where do you need to go with this passage that we proclaim this morning? Maybe for some of you, you know, you need Jesus as Lord to save your life. Listen, you may not have as sordid a pass as, uh, as uh, Rahab has. But listen, every sin you commit is just as, just as bad in the eyes of God. And the good news is that God can save you just like he did Rahab. All you got to do is say, I believe in Jesus Christ who came to earth as a little baby, lived a perfect life, and then gave his life on Calvary for my sin and was raised again on the third day. And he lives forever now with the Heavenly Father. And he he bought my sin, if you will believe that. Turn your life over to Jesus Christ. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to commit your life to Him. Some of you need to do that for the very first time. Others of you, you know, you need to step out on faith and say, You know, I I want to serve. I want to be more faithful. I want my, my actions to reveal my faith. Maybe that's what God has for you today. Whatever decision you make, we're going to invite you to come. As Kip's going to come and lead us, Marilyn's going to come and play, we'll give you an opportunity to respond to what you've heard this morning. I'll be here at the front. Josh is going to come. Marcy's going to make her way down from the back. We'll be here to to offer you counsel. We'll be here to pray with you. If you need somebody to talk to, we'll be here for you. Whatever God is leading you to do. Maybe God is challenging you to start something new. To do some ministry outside of your presumed ability. Maybe that's what God would have you to do. Whatever it is, we're going to invite you to come as I pray.